This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, I'm Mark Rico. I'm head of content and programming for Mouth Media Network, which produces this show. After more than 75 episodes and many amazing guests, it was worth a look back at some of the standout conversations over the life of travel is your business and highlight some of them again. In this episode, we'd like to again share an interview with Robert Albert of Root Happy, the industry standard for airline rich content. What is the first thing you're asked when you finally arrive at your destination? How is your flight? Here's a company that values your happiness above all else and has managed to uproot the airline industry's race to the bottom. Hi, I'm Robert Albert. I'm CEO of Root Happy. What I love about travel is languages, food, and culture. I love accents and learning new languages. I love eating local cuisine and understanding what uh, makes people tick. Um, from that perspective, and I love culture, holidays, and architecture, religion, and learning more about that as I travel the world. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Bob, what is the most commonly desired amenity in travel? Hmm, that's a great question. The The one... So everybody cares about unique things, but I would say the one thing that is the most important is seat. So people care about how much legroom, how flat the business class seat is, how private it is, how many seats across. Uh, if you have a free seat next to you, that's universal. After that, it's probably depends on the region, but it's probably in the in many countries Wi-Fi becoming Wi-Fi. The U.S. for sure, really. Yeah, Interesting. So, and that's why, you, and you'll see in flight shopping that if a flight shopping a sales channel is going to highlight one amenity, it'll be Wi-Fi. Yeah, flight Wi-Fi. Yeah, that is so interesting. And the thing that's really compelling about that, you said so many people want so many different things, and this product is extremely customizable. Like you, you, you're selling like four different things to you know. 10, 15 different types of people, it seems like it's a... Uh, so how was how was it when you were getting, you know, Route Hoppy together that you were able to sell one singular vision? Yeah, that's a great question. We So we all care about different things when we fly. Uh, when I started the business, I started to explain it. I said to my mom, I'm starting this business. It's all about helping customers understand exactly what they're buying. And she said, I don't get why you're doing this, Bobby. It's all about price. And I said, yeah, but what about your seat? And what about the, the how new the plane is? And what about um, how clean it is? And what about the food? And what about Wi-Fi? And she started nodding, saying, I care about all those things. And this light bulb goes off in people's heads when they start realizing that even though when we shop for flights, we look at price first, but the experience of it is what you actually remember. The first question that people ask you when you arrive from a trip, how was your flight? Nobody asks you, how much did you pay for your ticket? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so it was like trying to um, sell this vision that this is a, an entire e-commerce category that is commoditized. So we treat shopping for a flight like we treat buying gas for our cars. But the difference is that because we're human beings and because there are different kinds of planes and seats and amenities and airport experiences, 
we all, from the minute that we buy the ticket and ticket policies, like is it refundable and can you change it and all these different aspects of the product. So the moment that you purchase the ticket, then it's all about the experience from that moment on. So our, our hypothesis was if we can help customers and the industry better explain the products and services, consumers can make better decisions. Um, and you know, the industry is a, is a healthier industry as a result and consumers are happier. That's awesome. It's a hard like, thing to explain. No, yeah, definitely. That's why it's such a challenge to have such a diverse set of products like right up front. Yeah. It's really interesting. And it kind of feeds into what I was going to ask too about, you know, it's, it seems like you kind of were ahead of your time seven years ago, you know, and I always remarked, you know, having been covering this business for a long time that I'm actually like really impressed that you did it and you sold it. It's like, I can't believe you managed to do it because in the beginning it was kind <laughs> yeah. of like, yeah, I see it, you know, from the industry, but it was like impossible almost. And yeah. also the ancillaries hadn't quite become what they are today. Yeah. So how much of it was luck, which is important and no, you know, mm. great for luck. It happens. Or did you really kind of see these ancillaries kind of becoming more into the business model of, of airlines? Yeah, I thought it was so obvious to me that everybody needed this solution. So every customer in the world, and there are billions of you know customers that get on planes every year, every airline in the world, every distributor needed this. And I was one of those people seven years ago that actually cared about the experience. And there were a lot of people like that, you know, minority of flyers. So I would stay up till two in the morning on Seat Guru and airline websites and, you know, flyer talk, trying to triangulate information to purchase the best flight for myself. So I thought, well, this is a no brainer. Everybody needs this. But I do agree, Nick, that it did after seven years of, of being at this. Um, it sort of has been feeling like spreading a religion as opposed to just, here's the product, everybody needs it. Um, we thought that airlines and distributors would just jump at this immediately. And what the reality has been is that every meeting is positive. They all say, this is so smart. Um, we need this. We need to decommoditize. But it's not quite our priority this year. But But for some of them, it has been. So basically... What it's felt like is this very organic experience where just brick by brick by brick, um, you know, we've been we've been building this out. Now, I think the seven years has been very beneficial to us. So on one level ahead of our time, but on the other hand, this is such a complex problem to solve that we've had to have this amount of time to build it all, to make it accurate, to make it scalable, to um, engender trust and uh, to a great reputation throughout the industry. So what's happened is that we're trying to solve this gargantuan problem for the entire industry, somewhat ridiculous as a startup. In hindsight, you know, Root Happy should have been started by the three GDSs and six major airlines with a hundred million dollar investment, you know, in the first year kind of thing. But instead, it was this crazy guy and then a, group, a small team that said, we can transform flight shopping for the entire industry. Um, I think it's really, you know, we'll, we'll probably get to this later, but for advice to future entrepreneurs, not really, you know, caring what the world thinks what you're doing is, is probably a very good thing because I'm not sure had I known what I was getting myself into, I'm not sure I would have done it. Um, but, uh, you know, 
we the the problem is so complex so we needed the time to not only build the product but get to know everyone throughout the industry and so now where we're at atp acquired us about a month and a half ago is we're ready for prime time the the systems the data the content the relationships we're we're at that point where we can actually for real solve the global differentiation problem in flight shopping hmm. I love that they gave you seven years basically to do this. Like seven years. They didn't even be like, yeah, you, you know, just they didn't come in and do it. The GDS, as I'm speaking of, you know, it's just wild to me. You yeah. know, just why? Right. This, this should have been done. This should have been part of the product from the day one. That's you right. know, this this information should have been coded in there always. And in the mm. very beginning, everyone said, I, I don't understand why this doesn't exist. And and then it was, well, on one hand, it should exist. I don't understand why it doesn't exist. You'd get some people saying, I'm not sure how important it is. You get other people saying, um, it's not our priority yet, although it's coming. So, I mean, you know, it's like a groundswell in an industry to ch to change an industry is a, is a massive and complicated thing. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've been sort of riding and I think to some extent pushing the wave forward, but you know, what we're really experiencing is the transformation of an entire industry. Well, I mean, even in, in travel, I mean, this is probably indicative of the, of what you were bringing up, Nick, like the sales cycles for an airline are, are 12 months, 18 months. I mean, founders at Voyager have this problem all the time, like consistently, that's like the hugest problem they have. They don't have a fundraising to match the sales cycle of one client. And, um, and it, it can only imagine that you're doing this from different angles that that's, you know, similarly how you came, came around it. So I have two questions, but I'll start with one. Um, you know, how did you overcome that hump? What was, what, what gave you the, the, the competitive advantage? Was it fundraising? Was it, uh, a, a dynamic partnership? What was that? Such a good question. Um, so we were told the sales cycle was 12 to 18 months, which sounded daunting and long and arduous and impossible. But it turns out in our case, it's actually years, <laughs> not 12 and 18 months. Um, they misspoke. Yeah. They misspoke. <laughs> 12 to 18 years. Did I say months too? Right. It, we yeah. we, we yeah. joked about things yeah. like that along the way. So we kept having these perennial debates. Should we focus on airlines first? And then when the airlines create the content, the distributors will be ready to integrate the content. Or should we focus on distributors first? Because when distributors integrate places for the content, then it will motivate airlines to create content and create more content, um, you know, and sort of take the differentiation question really seriously, invest in it. And then we thought, well, maybe we should start with smaller airlines or smaller distributors because they're more nimble and faster. Or no, we should start with larger airlines and larger distributors because that's all that really matters, you know, in the scheme of the 80-20 rule of the industry. And ultimately, what we kept concluding is that in order to be successful, we have to push on every front simultaneously. I know that sounds crazy because it sounds like a very unfocused strategy, um, and I'll get to that. So we decided we have to focus on, uh, we have to push on every front that we're, we're doing. We have to, um, keep sort of getting airlines to move a bit further and then distributors will come along. And then when distributors come along, more airlines will come along. So it's this massive network effect, chicken and egg problem where it's the solution is the most valuable when everyone is using it. So sort of authentically going around the world and, and, 
explaining our story and saying this actually will be better for the entire industry if we can all align on this. Um, so it was a lot of that, but all focused on the one problem of differentiation and flight shopping. So it was it was focused just in a you know kind of a one one broad topic like that. In terms of how to actually make that work, so uh, we, I would say. It was not a matter of luck. Uh, probably were there were lucky breaks along the way, um, but it was a matter of focusing on the right problem that we kept being motivated by the conversations we were having along the way, and that just kept us motivated to keep going. All these airlines and distributors and tech platforms around the world sort of said, "Keep going. This is the right thing to do." So that was one aspect. Two lean and cheap as I cannot even explain how <laughs> cheap and lean we had to be. Um, so our number one objective as a company is invest in the best team we could possibly have. So that has always been the focus from day one. But in terms of creature comforts and how we traveled and we shared rooms and we would get on a plane and we would go right from, you know, the airplane to five meetings in a city, get another plane, go and have five meetings in, in the next city. I hired a head of BizDev a few years ago and this was this kind of travel actually still goes on to this day. And he came from a big company and I took him to Europe for a oh, blitz through Europe. And he said, I cannot believe how we're doing this. Like <laughs> 25. <laughs> meetings in one week and I just said this is we have to do it this way because if we were on the road spaciously you know and norm, normal companies would take a month or two months to do the kind of meetings that we would do in, in a week so that's this I would say that's the second one uh, and then the third one was we actually um, I would, yeah two more the third one is we came up with good product decisions and good products along the way that got companies interested. So, uh, you know, we started the whole business as the first idea was consumer flight reviews. That was not the right thing. It was all about differentiating air travel, but that wasn't the right way to do it. When we decided to build APIs of our data, we started talking to the world's distributors and airlines, positive feedback, and Expedia and Google said, we actually need this. We'll, we'll buy this from you. So we started, you know, following the real pain points and where we could make revenue. So we, by being lean, but then also getting some money in the door that allowed us to sort of, you know, keep going. Fourth one is great investors, although we started with investors who didn't know travel. So that was an interesting experience, really good people and companies, but you know, board meetings were interesting because I'd sort of have to explain the business pretty much each time in some sense because it, it's so nuanced and complicated. But then along the way, we started getting travel investors and um, we got a, a key investor along the way that has uh, really understands the space. Uh, so has, you know, in, has invested in GDSs and airlines and, and the big distribution companies. And so that made another big difference just in terms of aligning us all on we're on the right path, we should keep going. There were there were moments of doubt along the way, so maybe there is a fifth, which is perseverance and commitment and conviction. <laughs> it was a little bit of insanity. Yeah, but yeah. Definitely. <laughs> right. Perseverance and insanity, I think, are the same thing in some ways. You're like, why are we yeah. doing this? Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, was there ever a moment in one of those doubtful, uh, dark times uh, when you thought about, which actually would probably make it worse, but just doing an OTA in the sense of like taking this information, if they don't want it, we'll do it ourselves kind of thing? It actually, it was the reverse. So where we started was we're going to build a meta that is a totally different kind of meta based on a happiness score. So we had all of this data that we had collected from consumers all over, flyers all over the world, and we um, interrogated the data and turned it into great information about, you know, seats and food and service, et cetera, and we created a happiness score. So then we built a whole meta search site. Uh, like we built a small kayak basically and said, we are going to, you know, take over the world in terms of everyone is going to flock to the site right now and, uh, and start shopping by happiness as opposed to price. Well, we thought we ultimately, the best feature of that site was happy and cheap. So we took the union of high happiness score and the cheapest flights and said, no brainer. These are the ones that we all should be buying. So rather than have to wade through a thousand options, let's just look at the 10 that are really the best priced ones that have the good you know, products on them. So we launched that site uh, and it was it started to get a bit of a following. We kept getting more flight reviews and people started to use it, but it wasn't, you know, we had no money on marketing. So it was PR. That's that's all, you know, word of mouth and PR. But instead what happened it was, it was a phenomenon. Airlines and distributors started contacting us out of the blue saying, we love the data that you have. What are you doing? Can we talk about the data? So the first conversations were, you know, trying to partner with them in ways that really kept the data with Root Happy. And we were sort of trying to get them to drive traffic to our site. And they'd say, why would we do that? We don't want without really saying these words, we don't want to create another competitor. We have enough distributors in the world. What we want is your data. And we started thinking, this is brilliant. The whole industry, and there were there were vestiges, there were aspects of this, you know, from the beginning, but the whole industry is bogged down by complicated technology and commoditization, meaning just prices and schedules, and there's no other, you know, organized and structured information. So if we can take this mountain of data that we're sitting on and build APIs and, and keep improving the data, we can enable the entire industry with better data that they don't have today. And so then when we sort of opened our minds to that, we started talking to them about it and 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 they really actually started to engage in, in serious ways. That was that felt like taking a ship a big ship that had been built and sort of turning it, you know, so this was our classic pivot. The mission and vision was always the same. The execution had a major pivot from B2C to B2B, which definitely was the right thing to do. Otherwise, you got to spend all that money on on marketing. You know, that's the, that's the issue. That's right. Everyone kept saying, all the you know, investors and, and the industry kept saying, when I say the industry, airlines and distributors kept saying, it's a, it's a really neat idea, but you're going to have to spend $100 million a year to even possibly play. How are you going to do that? You know, are, do, you know, does anyone really, you know, are you, are you going to be able to do that? And the more we thought about it, thought they're not only are they right, but there's just this massive problem that needs to be solved in the entire industry. And we could be the ones to do it if we really put our minds to it and, and you know, build this out and provide solutions for, for everybody in a, in a neutral kind of agnostic way. 
I want to unpack that. But before we do, I want to unpack what you brought for us. What do we have here? You brought us a snack. So we brought you pineapple lumps from the pineapple uh, lumps. great country of Australia. And I think New Zealand has them too. Uh, and so I hope you enjoy them. It's a uh, pineapple in a chocolate coating, which is sweet. Now, the reason that this matters and is important is, number one, our head of Marcom is an Aussie named Megan, uh, who's terrific. But in the early days of Rude Happy, Australia played a pivotal role. Australia per capita has always been the most interested country in everything Root Happy has done from day one. We, before we even launched, journalists in Australia were finding out about Root Happy and writing about Root Happy, and we thought, what is it about Australia? And then we obviously looked at the map and realized, and I used to live there, so I kind of knew this, to, as an Aussie, if you travel, you have to get on a plane for at least 14 hours to get pretty much anywhere. There are some exceptions to that. And so Aussies really care about air travel. And so they sort of, Australia kind of helped put us on the map. Um, some of our earliest partnerships, both airlines and distributors, are from Australia. And then obviously those of us who were in the commercial side of this had the good fortune of being able to travel there. To, That's awesome. To eat the pineapple lumps. To eat the pineapple lumps. <laughs> exactly. Take your lumps. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's dig into that now then. Hi, it's Mark Rico. I want you to listen to this. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. It's a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Mouth Media Network. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Mouth Media Network. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Mouth Media Network. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So, Bob, uh, you recently just went through an acquisition. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so we were just we were acquired about six weeks ago by a company called ATPCO. 
ATPCO stands for the Airline Tariff Publishing Company. It's a really interesting company that uh, not everyone has heard of. Most people have not heard of it, in fact. It's a company owned by 16 airlines in the world. It's based in Dulles, Virginia, and it's where airlines file their airfares and their fare rules. So in the airline industry, the people who work with ATPCO are in revenue management and pricing. It's this incredibly complex infrastructure and software that manages the world's airfares. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners or if you guys have the perception that sometimes there'll be a link on an OTA that says see rules and then you click on that and you get a big block of text that has all sorts of stuff that you don't read basically. So it's an incredibly important part of the ecosystem. And what was happening is we were building out our rich content, which is descriptions and pictures and uh, benefits and restrictions of fares and products and services, rich content. And one of the types of rich content that we've created is called UTA. It's a standardized rich content format. It stands for Universal Ticket Attribute. And what we realized is that we need to uh, go right to the source of the fare data. So we started to get to know the ATPCO folks, never having really thought that we would be talking to them. They're, I thought, you know, in all honesty, that it, they were kind of like the IRS of the air airline industry, um, you know, sort of a scary, complex thing that, you know, is hard to understand. And if you don't really have a need to to know, you, you don't you, you don't ask too many questions. So um, but it turned out that based on the rich content we were creating, and that was based on the needs, there's all these branded fares in the market, meaning there's all these new kinds of fares that uh, consumers are starting to see, but they need very good information to understand what they get or what they don't get in that fair. And so we started to get to know ATPCO, and we started realizing that we're two sides of the same coin. We are um, the, you know, m modern content creators and deliverers to help consumers and airlines and distributors really articulate products and services, and they are the repository of complex data and business rules that help airlines actually sell all of their products. And so it sort of turned into a match made in heaven, unexpected, I think, for both parties. Um, and we had been courted by others. So we sort of, you know, we, we this was a, an unexpected turn of events. But when we started to get into it, we realized this this makes all the sense in the world because if we could take uh, the the airline owned company uh, that c stores all the fares and the fare rules and add in the rich content so that they are inextricably linked, so every price that an airline, every product that an airline has, is associated with both the price for that product as well as the descriptions and the visuals, that that's actually the right level at which it should. Be, come, it should come together and be matched and then flow that out to the entire industry. So um, long story short on all of that is we, we knew that this was the right thing to do. Um, so we started going down the path with them and uh, turned off some other possible directions, which were, were interesting and, you know, sort of more more brand names than, than the one we went with. Because we realized that if we can fulfill our promise of being the Switzerland of rich content, this neutral broker that has the data that everybody needs and supports 
the transformation of the industry that will fulfill this thing that we've been doing for the last seven years. And it will be incredibly satisfying, more hard work, but we can actually deliver on the thing that we, we've been saying we were doing for, for seven years. So uh, first six weeks, so far so good. Uh, reaction from airlines and distributors, excellent. This makes all the sense in the world. This is what we need. We need a modern, thriving uh, ATPCO and Root Happy by ATPCO. Um, and it's just caused acceleration of our discussions with airlines and distributors and the GDSs so that this whole platform of, of rich content and, and differentiation is really happening now. It's, it's very much our, our theme is it's time. And uh, that seems to be really bearing out where airlines and distributors and technology platforms are all coming to the table now saying, let's, let's really do this. Very interesting. And is it is the relationship with APT Co. and the airlines um, uh, in some kind of regulatory capacity or is there, you know, is there kind of like a necessary relationship already there that provides that channel? Or yeah, that it's, a, it's a great question. So it's not it's not a regulatory relationship, but. 16 airlines own ATPCO and they they have created it essentially as low cost infrastructure. So it doesn't make sense for them and other industries have this. The banking industry has has this and I think there are other industries that have these um, kind of companies too. Very, you know, most people don't know that they exist. So 16 airlines own it and they provide these services to the entire industry who avail themselves of the services because it's affordable. It's the industry standard. Uh, it's industry owned. So that means that you're not getting, you're not relying on really core infrastructure to run your business by a third party that could price in any way at any point in time because it's, it's governed by the industry itself. So it's a, it's an interesting, unusual business, uh, in that, you know, it's industry owned, but it, it provides services to the industry and they can either, you know, avail themselves of it or not. So um, I believe they have about 87 to 90% market share. So the vast majority of airlines in the world use ATPCO for their further fares. And then our, what we're going to do is we've already got terrific traction with airlines and distributors, but we're nowhere close to having that kind of, uh, you know, market penetration. So with ATPCO's help, the vision is we start packaging our products and align them more to what ATPCO does, uh, build them out so that they can we can become scalable to to the same you know market that that ATPCO has. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on the acquisition, man! It sounds like a like a perfect fit. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was going to ask like what the future of of Round happy is, and it sounds a lot like that. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, and you know, growing the market share is kind of your it, your next vision. There. It's a combination of so we are a wholly owned subsidiary of ATPCO. It's now called Root Happy by ATPCO. We are still based in New York. Same team. Uh, you know, when when this was all happening, the team said, "What's gonna you know what's gonna happen to us? Are we moving to Dulles?" And the answer is no. We're staying in New York, and everybody not only has their jobs, but the expectations are just bigger than ever. So it's, we've been saying we're doing it, we're solving this global, complicated infrastructure problem for rich content. But now the stakes are are high, we are really doing it because the industry has put their faith in us. We're staying in New York. And, you know, if anything, everybody's job just got twice as sort of hard and demanding in the sense that, you know, now we're doing it for real. So all eyes are on us. Um, and in terms of what we're doing, it's really we're building out the products 
even more. Um, this is sort of a, a never ending kind of product development um, challenge and opportunity. It never ends. There's so much in flight shopping that needs to be innovated. Um, you know, making the data and the content more targeted, more compelling, more useful, easier to integrate. Um, example, you know, for another one of our rich content types, it's called UPA, Universal Product Attributes. That's photos and videos and cabin tours and captions and descriptions. So little by little, you're going to start to see in flight shopping pictures um, that you have not seen to date. So that you're going to start to see, we're all going to start to see that. They get more relevant the more targeted they are. So if there's content that says this is exactly the seat on the 787 that this airline offers on this route in this cabin, that's when that content starts to be useful and interesting. And you may actually make decisions based on that content. Um, then it gets even more interesting if you can target it down to like time of day. So this is the economy seat on the 787 that this particular airline flies between this city and that city. And here's what they give you for your breakfast, because that's the time, you know, that's the first meal of the flight that you're on or, you know, really getting specific about what the service is. Because if you really think about, think about the um, experience of air travel, it's very particular and to who you are, what kind of ticket you bought, what status you have with the airline, how much of a frequent flyer you are, if at all, where you're coming from, where you're going, time of day, duration, et cetera. You know, some airlines give you sleep masks and earplugs on flights from the West Coast of the U.S. to the East Coast. Um, in economy, not all do, you know, and so they, they have these little products and services that are great for consumers, but they just don't know about them. Um, and so we're going to keep evolving, you know, building out the product. And then in addition to that, we've now got this, we've got access to 500 airlines through ATPCO that they can send messages to those airlines saying, okay, we bought Root Happy and we are integrating the fares that you file with us with the rich content. And so if you check this box, you know, we'll automatically port the rich content over and then flow it to the GDSs. So that's, I mean, it sounds very geeky, and um, but it's to, to the Root Happy team, to the ATPCO team, and to airlines and distributors, that's like music to all of our ears because it's accomplishing these things that up until now just seemed impossible. Do you think that there's, um, that there's even a next level for, you're saying you're developing the products, right? And if you're saying there's a picture for every seat that you might have an experience, you might be able to anticipate what your breakfast is going to be. Like, that sounds great because I, I also hate like rolling dice and f like not knowing what that like in-flight meal is going to be like. Right. Um, you don't sure want it to be, be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing you can always count on. It's going to be delicious and generous. <laughs> Someone's going to throw a baguette at your face and be like, here, yeah, it's like <laughs> catch like, it. Literally what just happened yeah. on my most recent flight. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> intense. Same actually. Yeah. <laughs> we won't say the airline. I know. Yeah, we'll keep all. a PC here. But the, um, but the, it would be interesting to see how you can evolve the technology once it's there. So, you know, um, like a, a video experience or AR, or some capacity of, you know, as the as the platforms get there, you could like 
think about where you're going to purchase your ticket much more visually through this type of rich content. Absolutely. Is that kind of where you're hoping that yeah, would happen? Yeah, absolutely. So so we are now embarking on what I would call the, uh, you know, it's Root Happy V2 or the maturing of Root Happy. Uh, there's a, an overall vision that we have called Next Gen Storefront, which is essentially it's time for the industry to modernize flight shopping. Flight shopping should be more like hotel shopping. It should be more like shopping on Amazon. The way that we shop for flights today, that's the old way, and it, it's going to go away. Um, if you go to airline websites, you'll see that it's a completely different shopping experience now um, on, ma on many of them. So instead of just having a row of flights, you have columns, and the columns represent the different products that they sell. So do you remember? And maybe you know, a lot of sites are still like this. Um, generally speaking, we'll shop for a flight saying, I want to go from city A to city B in economy, show me the results. So you have to specify the cabin in a drop down. Well, today, the modern flight shopping is no longer specifying the cabin. That's an old construct. And instead saying, I want to go from New York to LA, show me what's available. And then an airline can just say, here's our breadth of products and services that we offer. Take your pick. More options for the customer, more choice, you know, and then they're putting in information that makes the decision making, you know, more empowered so that the customer can just say, this is actually what I want for this trip. I don't want to spend a lot of money. I'm going to go for the cheap option for this other trip. It's my honeymoon or it's a business trip or I'm a prima donna. Like I, you know, I want a really good experience and I'm willing to pay for it. So... Um, airlines have been starting to do that, and they've been reaping the rewards. This has been an industry that has always been sort of teetering on, you know, feast or famine, really tough. And there's lots of reasons for that. And uh, transform flight shopping doesn't solve all of it, but it solves a lot of it. So next-gen storefront is an overall vision that is basically ex how indirect channels – should start to transform and can transform because the whole industry is coming together with the how. And so putting the pieces together, like, well, in order to do this, you need the content and you need the pipes that give you all the prices at the same time, not just, you know, the cabin that you specified. You need um, targeting. So you need to really know exactly, you know, what the flight is and what what fare, like it's got to be accurate. Um, it can't just be a link that says see fare rules and then get to a big block of text that we all know people don't read. In terms of where Root Happy is going with all this, so we're maturing as a business to be able to support this next-gen storefront and its uh, standards. So we're creating the standards for rich content. We've already done it, but now as part of ATPCO, we're going to be talking about how you know we've got the standards that everyone can can follow. That's a good thing. An industry can't change unless someone takes responsibility and the industry decides we're going to have we're going to do this based on standards. Uh, an industry like this sourcing of content so we've either got to create it for the industry or we've got to align the content to the standards uh integrating the content so delivering the content and it's that's a massive undertaking because there's all sorts of different pipes in this industry and it's not just one size fits all so you've got to develop apis and file transfers and get it through the gds pipes and through ndc apis that's a new um standards for how airlines sell their products and, and offer uh, products uh, monitoring so and i don't want to get too boring here but um, not boring monitoring <laughs> of the content so there's this huge problem in the industry which is 
once the airline puts their products out to the sales channels, they don't have a good way of knowing whether the sales channels are showing the content correctly. And as we embark on the brave new world of differentiation, the problem is exponential because everybody's having to learn how to show all of these products and options in a way that is not just cheapest price sort, you know, one seat is a seat is a seat. So there's this whole capability that is going to have to be built, which is monitoring to make sure that it's being done right. So it's ultimately about the consumer. So consumers just have a fair and transparent, you know, playing field for shopping for flights. And then um, insights is the other one. So there's this whole um, emerging piece of work, and we're we're very actively pursuing this, which is competitive intelligence or insights. So you've got all this new data about tickets and fares and product attributes and the whole industry doesn't have visibility into who's doing what you do if you sort of do an ad hoc report or you go to somebody else's website but there's this mountain of data that root happy has and that airlines have and that distributors have so it's about packaging it together so that the industry has useful competitive intelligence reports and all of this is modernizing an industry that is integral to all you know many of our lives a lot of people on the planet and but you know having them join the 20 having us as an industry join the 21st century and be like other industries that you know have modern tools so you can merchandise and target and you know offer differentiated products and services so it's a it's, there's never been a better time in uh in air travel maybe since the advent of it wow. so it's great to see the the um the implementation of, of a, a data approach, you know, because it's something that, you know, we see a lot at Voyagers. Everybody wants to work around flight data and travel data. And it's um, it's a huge uphill battle. I mean, like you're saying, you have to hit on all fronts. Uh, storage is a huge issue, like the costs of actually handling that. Um, so it's really, it's kind of great to see because it sounds like this marketplace might be, um, you know, what, brings that to that next stage yeah um i i will say you know going back to the how, how did we get here you know the 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 perseverance aspect of sort of you know trying to take on something like rich content and flight shopping i think that definitely is you know part of the seven-year journey because it's it's not a small problem and so you know when when people are thinking about solving problems in data you gotta not only, you know, focus on exactly what the pain point is, but then set yourself up for set your own expectations as to how long and, and what kind of journey and challenge is it that you're trying to accomplish. Nothing is easy in travel. Everyone always thinks it's going to be, yeah, it'll be easy. Yeah. It'll be simple. It's like, no. No. <laughs> Travel's tough. Travel is tough. Yeah. Tough but fun. And I when we came up with Root Happy, we thought we'll be busy till the day we die. Because there's just so much to go solve and to fix. And at the beginning of Root, Root Happy, I bought Room Happy and um other happies. So I thought, we'll just go do air. <laughs> and then we'll move to the next vertical. And all these investors would be like, yeah, you could do hotel. And that's where all the big margins are. And you know, that's where the money is. We're like, yeah, yeah. So that's why we bought Room Happy. Like, we're sitting on the happy empire. We're going to be, <laughs> which is why I'm wearing the happy t-shirt right now. Um, we're going to be the happy empire. And then we started getting into air. And just realizing this is Mount Everest <laughs> times a thousand. And we'll just be doing this forever. I mean, I feel like we're at the, it's the tip of the iceberg. Wow. Unless awesome. the Hyperloop kills 
airlines. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think people are worried about that yet. I don't know. I interviewed Dirk at ITV, and do you know his business model? It's free. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can't beat free people. <laughs> right. If you can fly a thousand miles an hour for free, like what? that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Something to think about. Yeah, we have a freemium model for airlines too. Actually, we figured that out. So there's a tier, a subscription tier for airlines where it's absolutely free, and we've gone out saying it's free forever. You just get this service, but it's uh, it's been tremendous. We we went from. A very small number of airlines. I think we had three subscribed airlines to about 35 in less than a year. And if anyone knows anything about partnering with airlines, it's like partnering with countries. Yeah. So it's a big uphill battle. It's really hard to get them to sign a piece of paper. And, and we did, and we introduced a freemium model, um, started providing services for free. And, and it's, it's what, what airlines need and want. And it's useful for them. It's useful for their distributors and, and for consumers. And so free is good. How do you make money after that? Is it just like a certain tipping point? Like if you use it X amount or is there, are there some that are free and then services yeah, on Yeah, that's top? right. There's So okay. there, there are tiers and the first tier is free. And then, you know, if they want more features and services and more queries and access, mm -hmm. then they've got to go to the paid tiers. Hook them. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, this is great more. In the, you now know, it costs money. <laughs> it's, it's both yeah. hook them, but it's also, you know, prove it. It's sort of the other side right. from their perspective. Stand it's like, it. prove it to me. Yeah. I don't know if if you can do it. I don't know if this is going to work. So, you know, fair is fair. I, we thought like, all right, we'll prove it to you. We'll put our money where our mouth is. And if we're valuable to you, then you're going to pay. We have no, no, you know, um, hesitation at all to say, ultimately, we want you to pay. And we want you in our expert tier. We want you in the highest tier. But, you know, an airline says, all right, prove it to me. I'll start, you know, on the journey with you. And it's definitely happening. Yeah, got to prove that out. Great. I think this is a great time to take a break. And when you come back, you'll be hearing from Bob on a more personal level. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. Welcome back. And here we are with Off the Beaten Path. We're going to go to our uh, trusty flight attendant to tell us who's up first. Passenger Nick Vivian. Nick Vivian, please come to the front of the cabin. And that's new. Look at that. That's Nick. What are the chances? I've been waiting for a long time in this <laughs> waiting area. Personal question time. All right. So uh, when you're younger, we, had, we, had, we were discussing beforehand, but you went on an exchange program. Um, and t t tell us, walk us through that for, for the audience and also like how that then informed the way you approach pretty much the entire business. Okay. So when I was... Uh, I'll go even, I'll go right back to the beginning. I grew up in uh, Michigan and in our family room, we had a 
world map and a globe. And I spent a lot of my childhood talking to my dad about where in the world, like all the different places that I could go to and that he's been to. He was in the Navy. And so I was just fascinated from a young age. I think it was maybe because I grew up in the Midwest and, you know, it was great, but it wasn't the most exotic place. But I just kept dreaming about going to all these places. And we had Time Life books in our bookshelf in the same room of all the countries. And I just spent all this time dreaming about going to all these places. So then I decided at 16 or 15 that I wanted to be an exchange student. And at 16, I got on a plane and went from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Perth, Western Australia to spend a year living with uh, families. And along the journey, I wrote multiple postcards and letters to my family, um, calling myself Aussie Bob, or they named me Aussie Bob. Uh, describing the, the whole experience. So describing the food, the gift shops, the seat, like every aspect. I mean, this thing was meant to be uh, in some way, I think. So I got back from that experience. And then I uh, I had a job. My first job after college, I was an international affairs major in Russian studies. My first job after college was at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. And they put me in the travel office. And so all of a sudden, I was part of my job was to manage travel for all of the embassy staff and going around Moscow and booking Aeroflot tickets and train tickets and just got fascinated by it. I started to read the OAG flight guide and I started to just pour over it. And I was fascinated by all the details and all the amenities and trying to understand how it all worked. And, uh, you know, I ended up uh, moving away from Russia work, which I did for about 10 years and going into e-commerce uh, and then landed in a startup in New York called Site59, which was a last minute uh, packaging company. So last minute packages, it stood for 59th minute, got to know people in airlines and got to know people at GDSs and sort of started to understand the travel world. And as the sort of the bug was growing and my own interest was growing and as my as I started to have a little bit more money to be able to travel and care about the experience a bit more, I started to have to spend all sorts of time to triangulate data from lots of different sources um, to uh, really get the kind of experience that I wanted. So it Root Happy for me feels like it was just this path from the beginning to Root Happy, like I was meant to do this. That, <laughs> that was awesome. And Attention, passenger John Matson, report to gate 22. Yep, that's me. Thank you, trusty flight attendant. Um, I got a, I got a fun one for you. Um, what's the does it one does it bother you how how people say route or route? We love I love people debating route versus route. It's a free marketing campaign, a global <laughs> marketing campaign. Everybody talks about it, and it makes people remember the name. And you know, it also sort of it it, it um, reinforces just how dynamic and diverse air travel is because you don't even know how to say the name, but both are right, and it's what <laughs> appeals to you. So keep keep that coming. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where you were like, no, it's Route happy. Um, there's never been a time, but I, yeah, I, we say I say route happy, but then <laughs> I probably I can't even change every once in a while, and um, <laughs> I, I will. I, I want to say that it was a conscious decision that it was going to be this built-in marketing campaign. So I want to tell you that that was conscious. <laughs> when and when the early investors started saying we need to change the name because no one can pronounce it, that's where I got my explanation. Which no, this is a good thing. <laughs> this is actually a good thing. It's awesome. 
and I get asked literally in every meeting. Yeah. The first meeting, people say, what, you know, how do you pronounce it? It's <laughs> awesome. Thank you again for coming. I'd love to hear, do you have any final thought on um, your experience, perhaps in this interview or, you know, building the company that you'd like to share? My thought is that the entire travel industry is facing this incredible opportunity to modernize. And it's really an exciting time for everybody in the industry, for customer, for consumers, for entrepreneurs, uh, you know, for airlines and, and for distributors and, and technology providers, because we finally have gotten to a place where there's enough of the components to bring together modernization. And there aren't that many times in history when this kind of thing happens. And so if you're in the industry, if you're interested in the industry, there's all this opportunity to get involved and, and start being, you know, an agent of change and really seeing this through. So flight shopping is going to look and feel and be completely different in five to 10 years, um, you know, maybe even sooner. Uh, and so, you know, there's really just, there's, there's never been, it, this is, this is an incredible moment for us. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the, the, the journey that we've been on, it, it's always struck me that it takes a village to do what we're doing, that we can't do it alone. You know, we're doing this as sort of an enabler to, to the industry. And, uh, we're just incredibly appreciative to, everybody in the industry, you know, from talking to Nick from T News for years and years and supporting us and kind of a lot of people thinking, are they going to be able to do it? Are they going to be able to do it? And, you know, lo and behold, a guy with a dream sort of thought that something was possible, thought that he could be credible enough to try to go down the path and started meeting people along the way and convinced them of the vision and, you know, just sort of kept at it. And it's a, it's a, I am so grateful and and obviously humbled by it but it's um it is sort of a testament to if you put your mind to something and you you know have the right resources and and people to help um that that you can accomplish big things so that's that's where we are and uh more more big things to come from a team of very passionate people helping transform flight shopping great and how do um how does somebody get in touch with what you're doing. Uh, yeah, so definitely visit uh, rootHappy.com. Uh, there's lots of information and links to get in touch with us there. But we we love to hear from you. And you'll see all sorts of links and how to get in touch with us there. We actually really want to engage with the community. So if you're an airline distributor, tech platform, an entrepreneur, and you have ideas, we we love we want uh, to hear from you. So do get in touch. Awesome, please. Well, thanks again for for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. And for my co-host Nick Vivian, it's been swell. And I'm your host John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.